You are Locked On Mavericks, your daily podcast on the Dallas Mavericks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is going to be huge. 360 in the contract, never that. I just take the contact, I'll bring it back. I'm running on the fast break, behind the back. Yeah, this, that, this, that, this, that. Dirk with the Welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead, media member at MavsMoneyBall.com, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, the editor of The Smoking Cuban and writer at Mavs.com. Isaac, heard you've been hanging out with somebody recently. What the crap, Rick? I mean, so I'm working on something right now that's involving Nerlens, and I guess Rick thinks we're BFFs. I guess Rick you Carlisle and, thinks- You and Rick are BFFs, right? Oh, oh, as always. That's what he thought. Um, no, Rick thinks. I guess he thinks Nerlens and I are like. Nerlens was like my best man at a wedding, and Nerlens is gonna be at the hospital when we have our kid. No, nah, like <laughs> super weird. Because um, like Nerlens and I, we're friends, and I mean we're closer than other players on the team, but we're not like hanging. We're not going to the mall together all the time. Wait, Nick just made a face. Did the Kings win? <laughs> no, it was mostly just to say that you would you take one of your best friends to the mall with you all the time. Isaac, you and I have never been to the mall together. Ooh, we need to go. North <laughs> Who goes Car- to North- No, no one just goes to the mall together anymore. That's not a thing. I don't know. I like the malls here in Dallas. Pretty sweet. Only time I've ever been to the – I live right by the Galleria. The only time I've ever been is if, like, my wife hears about a specific sale, Christmas, yeah. or if uh, – if there's a movie theater in there, it's the only time. I, I went to Baby's RS is like going out of business or something right now. So they're like closing the one beside Galleria. So we went there the other day to check out some sales. But anyway, back to the game. Before the game, pregame, I asked Rick. I said, hey, and I, I thought it was a pretty valid question. I thought it was too. You know, about Nerland's, his minutes right now. All of a sudden, he just he got 18 minutes his first game back the other day. So I said, hey, Nerland's his role right now going down the stretch, is this about him proving it? Because before, it was he was obviously not proving it. Salah outplayed him. Is this him him proving it off the court? Or is this him, is this you just wanting to take a shot, you know, to see what you have in him? Rick literally looks at me and says, off the court? I don't know what you mean by that. He goes, I hear you you and him be hanging out a lot off the court, so maybe we should ask you about what he does off the court. Oh. Okay, Rick. Ooh. Slick one. And I'm like, really? Like, I don't understand what warrants that, which I, I know a little bit background of why he says that and uh, something I don't think he was too happy with, um, something I wrote or um, the timing of an interview earlier in the season. Uh, with Nerlens, but to each their own with that. the exclusivity of that interview. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, I don't know. And so anyway, it was weird. So then obviously it started back and forth between myself and Rick. And for me saying, well, I asked that because earlier in the season you said about like Salad outplayed him in practice and how like Salad deserved those minutes. So that's why he's like, well, I never said off the court. I was like, I mean, like practice, like off the like, like the main court, like off See, that. Court. That's that's where I think it went wrong because Rick really takes things literally in these questions. So when you say off the court, he thinks like outside of basketball, outside of you know anything having to do with basketball at all. He thinks maybe okay, you're so talking like about the contract, film, film room, 
Um, but I even, you know, I even think that is like considered off the court for him. Yeah, but how could he prove himself over the past like two months off the court if it, you know, like if it's not anything practice or anything? Uh, yeah, I guess I could have just said, is he proving himself in practice? In but practice, off yeah. The but court, even so then, was... I, he was still would have given you the same probably answer. Yeah, yeah. So I'm one of the only people that really ask about Nerlens, and um, yeah, I don't know if he loves that. So, so anyway, he gave me a roundabout answer about you know it's now is his chance. He actually highlighted a few things that Nerlens does wrong, <laughs> which was kind of weird. <laughs> Um, that he did wrong the other day on the court, um, but he, he, he was mentioned, over helping one of them. Uh, he might might have. Well, he talked about he specifically mentioned Bobby Portis and how like fives have to be able to guard out on the perimeter and like Nerlens just hasn't got that down yet. How Portis you know was stepped out and ran a shot and Nerlens didn't even go out there and but he he said it's kind of, <laughs> kind of matchups and uh, how like Lol. Salah. He said Salah, you know, he said, we're not putting Salah on ice for the rest of the year, so it's going to be kind of give and take some here and there with them. But Salah says, I will take the ice. <laughs> I will take the ice. So anyway, that was a, a, a great, another segment to our uh, our our relationship. Me and <laughs> You're in Rick's relationship. It's, yeah. been, uh, it's been an interesting one. So the game that Isaac was asking me about, was the uh, the Knicks versus Kings game right now? And all of these teams that are terrible right now, Mavs fans should be rooting for. And if I when I remember every day, I'm going to tweet out which teams Mavericks fans should be rooting for every single day because it's just it's hard to keep track of sometimes. And so I just want to keep track of it tonight. It was the Sacramento Kings because the uh, the Hawks and the the uh, Suns played each other, and that was Ooh. I mean that was a barn burner. I mean that was <laughs> that was such an early game. But uh, the Hawks eked it out, 113 to 112. So the the Suns continue their free fall. I mean that they, they are <laughs> what they are doing is way worse than what the the Mavericks are doing tank wise. I thought it was funny though. Night Memphis really really tried, but they still won <laughs> against the Magic. They set Gasol and somebody else, and then they played Chandler Parsons. That's like, just Whoa. tanking in general. They no, they set Tyreek Evans and Mark Gasol, and played Chandler Parsons, and they still won by three against the Magic. I'm like, oh. So the uh, the Kings, the Kings are up right now. It was uh, the Kings had a 19 point lead in the fourth quarter. We're breaking this down like we are the Lockdown Kings podcast. <laughs> the uh, the Kings were up 19 points, and the uh, the squeaking in the background just just adds to the effect that the Kings are a circus. So the Kings were up 19 points in the fourth quarter, and then the Knicks came storming all the way back, tie game, and then uh, De'Aaron Fox fouled uh, Kyle Quinn. He makes two free throws, and now Scal LaBCA, the tank killer with a three with two and a half seconds left. So now they're up 102 to 99, and we're still tracking this game. So the Kings are winning right now? Kings are winning 102 to 99. So if the Kings win this game... Which it's kind of funny because most of you, everybody listening, knows whether they did or not. But the Kings win this game, the Mavericks are in sole sole possession of third in the draft lottery right now. If they Uh-oh. lose the game, then they're tied for third. Well, the second half of this pod, I'm gonna throw out Nick some uh, some draft day hypothetical trades to see what he thinks about it. We will do that, and then the first half of this podcast, we will talk about the Mavs Pelicans game. We were both in attendance. We were both there. It was uh, it was a game. It happened. 
It was a game. Um, the Mavericks lost 126 to 109. Uh, the Pelicans, man, like, th- like I tweeted before the game. I asked everybody. I said, "How many points did Anthony Davis score tonight?" People were saying like 52, 40. They're like all the points, just you know, making jokes and stuff. Uh, Anthony yeah. Davis finished finished with twenty three points and thirteen rebounds, and it was probably the quietest game he has had in the last month. If I told you straight up that Anthony Davis would be the third leading scorer on his team at the end of the night, would you say the Mavs won? They lost by 30. That's what I would have said, and that was pretty close. Yeah, I would have said in a heartbeat, oh, yeah, Mavs won. If Oh, no, no, no. I, if, if he's not the leading scorer, then I say that the Mavericks lose. I don't know. I say the Mavericks win. If he's that, the third leading scorer, because that means that they're getting means... contribution from other people like they did tonight, from Miritich, who had 24, and Holiday, yeah. who had who had 30. That's the way Mirotic. I would. That's the way I would see it. Uh, Drew Holiday, man. All right, man. We've talked about this before. The hair? Are we going with the hair? Bigger point guards. What's up with Drew Holiday's hair, man? Okay, that's never mind. Um, it's like the Nerlens thing. It's like the Nerlens kind of hair, except for he puts up a. a, a like I like Nerlens hair much better it, than. And then he just like lets it fall. Yeah, it just kind of hangs down like a weeping willow tree. Like, um, uh, oh, I'm gonna mess this up. Like Wale, didn't he have hair like that? <laughs> no. Uh, oh, what's his name? I'll remember it in a minute. I don't know what's his name. Um, bigger point guards against Dennis sometimes, man. We've seen it throughout the season. And Drew Holiday, he's not a giant, but he did put up 30 points tonight. Was a plus 27. <laughs> he had was, a he had a play in the first quarter where he backed down Yogi and he just like posted him up and just scored over the that, top of him. <laughs> he did that a couple different times on Dennis. You know they they were singling it out and seeing Dennis was on him in the post. They threw to Drew Holiday in the post. I mean he just did two moves and just went straight up. And you know that that's where that's where it's gonna come into play next year, especially. And I think. I just think it really gets crucial to who you put alongside of Dennis as a two guard because Dennis can get better at defense for sure. I mean, you look how you look how um how good Chris Paul is for his size, but I mean, that's a high level defense for that for his size, but you know, his his measurements ain't going to change. You know, his wingspan and height, it's not going to, you know, that ain't going anywhere. So it's going to it's going to be that's you know, it's like what, what I just said. I, th- I just think it's really crucial about who they put at the two guard alongside of Dennis moving forward and why somebody like a Wesley Matthews, not necessarily him, but like is much better suited at the two um, with him. And we even saw it tonight when I asked Harrison after the game about playing the three and how he really likes playing the three. And Harrison said, you know, I think defensively we, we have a bigger lineup. You know, when obviously when he's talking about rebounding, but yeah. when he's when Harrison's at the three, it pushes West to the two. And they just got bigger bodies out there. And that that matters defensively. By the way, the Kings held on to to win hundred and two to ninety nine. So the tank the tank continues for the Mavericks. Uh no, I'm we not having addressed the, the uh Kings. We haven't addressed the Harrison, the uh, Harrison Barnes at the three, which is just—I don't know—the fact that this is a story just shows where the season is right now, and shows the storylines that we're dealing with right now, and just how little of them there are. But Harrison Barnes at the three is so ironic because that's what he is. <laughs> like, it is, yeah. I mean, you know, the fact that Carlisle's like, we need to see what he's like at the three. It's just kind of funny to me because that—that is what he is. Why, why do we need to see that if we've seen you know most of it? 
That's because what most well because experience. because in Dallas he's played so much at the four, and I think for them it's kind of we've touched on this a little bit on the pod. I think a lot of people right now are saying, "Oh, it's because of Dwight Powell's doing so well." Partly, I I don't think it's that. I think I think no matter how well Dwight Powell's playing right now, Harrison would still be playing the three, and because Carlisle specifically mentioned Harrison Barnes and Dennis Smith Jr. What them at their positions moving forward? Those are the two like centerpieces, like the blocks, they're not moving right now. So they need to see even, I mean, we saw tonight, I think Dwayne asked Dennis about the two-man game between Dennis and Harrison. You know, Rick wants to really see what that is. And so with Harrison moving back to the three, I think what we mentioned on the pod too, I think it's them just seeing what he looks like next to an athletic four, a.k.a. Marvin Bagley, you know, a even like a Jaron Mar- Jackson, maybe Jack- Jaron Jackson, even like a Michael Porter Jr. That you know would probably be a four more than a three. You know, if if him and Barnes are there together, might be better putting Barnes at the three. So I I think it's more it's more that of hey, let's see if we draft a four in the draft, we see what Barnes looks like back at the three because we've played him at the four so much in Dallas. And he was most effective offensively at the four. So, you know, they kind of they saw that at the beginning. They took advantage of that. And now they're saying, okay, well, can we put him back at his, you know, original, you know, normal position? And can it still be as effective or still be, you know, maybe hopefully more effective? Because yeah. <laughs> this Mavericks team has been terrible. I was thinking a lot about, about Harrison Martin. We were talking to him after, you know, during uh, after the media scrums and everything. And just thinking about how much losing he's done the last two years. It's it's definitely the most in his entire life. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm a shameless plug here. Plug back to my, my piece I did with him and Doug McDermott. They did not Mavs, lose. On Mavs.com. <laughs> uh, which, go read that. It's one of my favorite stories I've did yet. It's a very good story. Uh, anyway, like, they won 53 State. They, they didn't lose since Doug made the varsity team his junior year. And they won 53 state, two state titles. He goes to North Carolina. Harrison Martin's the number one recruit in high school coming out of, you know, the ESPN class. Goes to North Carolina. They have two, you know, great seasons, not, you know, undefeated. Goes to the Golden State Warriors, <laughs> does his thing there. And how much Dallas is different from what he's used to, it, it's, it's different. And, you know, Harrison, no matter how he carries himself so it's, well, you would think he's it's it's like, different is the funniest thing you've ever said. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, Harrison cover, carries himself so well, you think he's like thirty five, but the you know, he's, he's not. <laughs> and um, it's it's just crazy to, yeah. I mean, he's never lost as much in his life. No, no, the senator, the senator has not lost as much ever, and it's it's got to be weighing on him. Like you can kind of tell when you look at his face. You know, you just see him answering questions and see him like he does this thing where he tries to really focus on what you're saying. And so he'll just kind of open his eyes a little bigger. Like, yeah, you know, just, <laughs> and so you can tell he's trying to focus on it, but I mean, he is the consummate professional and, uh, you know, such a good dude. We are very, around. we are very biased by the way about, about Harrison Barnes. So if you want some Harrison Barnes slander, you're not going to get it on this podcast. Go to Mads Moneyball. You can, you can, they are, they are preparing in their, in their, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Did I call it in their tanks, in their cannons? I guess to fire off a uh, a nice Harrison Barnes piece, <laughs> analyzing his uh, deficiencies probably more than anything. So, I just want to say, if anybody writes a Harrison Barnes piece over the over these last like two months, saying, "Oh, he's digressed and everything," come on, I'm gonna make fun of you because you can't write you can't write anything about anybody down these last two weeks. No, it's I mean these very last hard. 
20 games, 20, 30 games because it's not fair to judge a player when you're not going to judge a team, you know, by their success. And Carlisle's playing experimental lineups. You know, he's exactly. playing lineups that have never played together. Bobby Carolla tweeted in the middle of the game that, oh, no, it was the beginning of the game. That starting lineup has never played together. It was it was uh, Dennis, Yogi, Barnes, Powell, and Dirk. I was like, how is that even possible? All those they, those That's players wild. have played between 55 and 63 games. and. Wow. They're they, those are the rotation players. <laughs> you know, there's only two or three other players that have played in the rotation as consistently as those guys, and it's amazing that they've never played together. That is wild. That's I, don't, crazy I didn't that. even believe him. I don't. Even, I still don't yeah. know if I believe him. That, but he knows how to use basketball reference. So yeah, he does. And that that's what I'm saying with. That's what I'm saying with people. <laughs> Can't keep a straight face. Uh, that's what I'm saying with the tankers and judging players' performance. And here's all. Here's what I say: If you're gonna root for losses, then don't try to analyze a player and how good he's doing. Like, you see what I'm saying? Like, if, if you're gonna say it's okay for the oh, team yeah, to lose, yeah. win or lose, then say it's then it's completely okay for the player to play good or bad. So all I'm saying is like a player that's you know if their stats go down or something while the team is tanking, I think it's really unfair to judge a player on that, you know? I think I have a theory about these team tankers. They don't they're not in the building. They they don't go to games. They're they are not fans that actually go and, and participate in the actual event. Well, somebody's on Twitch tomorrow and be like, I'm a season ticket holder and I'm hoping Go for to it. Lose. If you do, if you're a season ticket holder, please, if you are a season ticket holder and you want this team to tank, to outright completely tank and to not try to win games, please tweet me at Nick Van Exit. I think that they are not there because Dirk hit a three at the buzzer at the end of the first quarter. Oh, my gosh. And that was so the awesome. room just erupted. I mean, the room erupted. And then when they came back, I think it was – The was third it, nine, quarter with him and JJ back-to-back or it something? Was like oh. 80, it was like 87 to 90 the, to low 90s or something, and, and Dirk hits that three. You can tell he was super hyped about it, goes to the bench. I mean, the room w- was so loud in there, and the attendance has not wavered at all. <laughs> I mean, no. people leave a little bit earlier now, but – you know, the, the, this was a twenty-point loss for the Mavericks, but those the team tankers are not in the building. The team tankers are online, and they are either not watching games, or they're just completely ignoring the season in general. Because th- it's easy that you have a disconnect there, where you're able to say, "Okay, I want this team to lose," and you don't have that emotional connection as a fan. You've been probably the biggest component proponent of saying you cannot be a fan and want your team to lose. That's because you have an emotional connection to it, and then you know if you're a real fan, you have this emotional connection to this team. You know, I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm a Mavericks fan, and so having not having that connection, it's a little bit easier for me to say that I want the losses. But I'm there. I talk to the guys. You know, I see the look on Harrison Barnes' face and on Dirk's face and, and all that stuff. So then that makes it harder for me. You know, so I'm a little. So that's why I've kind of you know flip flopped on this this entire season, kind of. And uh, but. That's what I think. If you are a season ticket holder, if you have been to you know a lot of Mavs games and you are going there, and if they have a positive play, you get upset about it. I would like to talk to you <laughs> because I don't think it <laughs> happens. You know, it, if Dennis drives on the floor and dunks it to to put the Mavs up, you're not going to stand up and cheer. You're not going to be like excited about it. I just, I don't know. Now now you're going to have the people come at you like they come at me all the time. I just when want Nick, it to be a when, close game and then lose at the end. Nick, why can't why can I root for a dunk and if he dunks and we still lose, I mean, I can still be fine. Like, why can't you cheer for both? Okay. I'm not saying you can't do that. I just cool. don't think that it happens. <laughs> I don't think it exists. So dumb. 
So, so that that's I mean that's kind of all with that game. We talked about you know, uh, Dennis got his his shot blocked by Nikola Mirotic. <laughs> we've been we've been tracking this. He gets his shot blocked in the paint a lot, but he a had lot. a really really good game. I thought twenty three points, five boards, eight eight assists. He had a. I think he had 21 in his first 25 minutes playing tonight. Huh. Um, so he, I mean, he's he got to get that floater down, man. That I watched the, him, the floaters. Int- let's talk about that. I watched him. Wait, I, I watched him work on that with Sham got before, um, before the game. And I was, I literally just sat there and watched his whole workout. And I tweeted out a picture of this, and I, it's kind of low key. Like I'd never really see this happen very much. Alvin Gentry like was on the Maverick side, set in front row, watching Dennis work out. And it's like, I never see one. I never see opposing head coaches out there during pregame. Like, not even not. We're not talking about warmups. Like yeah, before, that's interesting. Just one individual player, and he was he was talking with a guy, but like, you know, Rick's never out there at all. No, ever. And like Alvin was on the Maverick side, sitting on the front row by the bench and watching Dennis like work out with Sham God and stuff. And I was like, huh, I don't think I've ever seen that before. But later on in the workout, he was doing these drills where he's going into the paint shooting these you know these one-handed floaters and stuff and i'm not gonna lie he didn't make very many of them no no no. Uh, it's, it's but a, he's at least it's something he's doing he's trying then alvin gentry stands up and goes hey uh you know steve nash used to do it like <laughs> uh no this is a new development I, I i've watched i watched a good number of his games in college and i don't remember him having this kind of this this in his game at all a, a floater at all you? you don't really need a floater whenever you can dunk on anybody. No, if you can, if you also just run past them. <laughs> if, you, yeah. if your first step is faster than everybody else in college, you don't need this. And uh, and so this is this is a new kind of thing. We saw it. Eddie Sefko tweeted out a video of of Carlisle specifically working on it with Dennis. Uh, and he, Carlisle even mentioned it in his uh, post game presser today, where he said that you know we've been working on his on Dennis's floater game, and there was a specific play where he should have just stopped and went up for a floater, but he's not super confident in it yet, and so he he kind of drove and tried to make a shot around Anthony Davis, and nobody makes a shot around Anthony Davis. <laughs> nobody no. can go around him at all. Nobody can really throw a lob around Anthony Davis either. No. No. No, you cannot. It's, he is still one of the more freakish humans I've ever stood by in my whole, whole life. It's like Embiid, Shaq, and then probably Davis. <laughs> Giannis. Giannis is up there. Yeah. But, yeah. I, I, yeah. I guess I haven't stood next to Giannis recently. but Yeah. Um, do you have anything else about this game? Nope. I don't either. <laughs> All right. So give me some of your uh, – Isaac's right. got a couple of draft trades for me. Let's do this. All right. So – I get oh, really if, you, if you did not listen to our podcast recently, we did a podcast where we talked about all the players that we would trade the number one pick for. So the Mavericks right now, like we talked about, are third in the draft lottery. Let's say they move all the way up to first, which happens all the time. The Sixers just did it this past year, uh, where they moved from third all the way to one, right? Didn't they do that? Uh, see, yeah, they did, yeah. I thought they were third, okay. So that, anyway, yeah. it happens a lot where it would team move up. It's all by lottery and ping pong ball chances. So if the Mavericks move up and they get the number one pick in the entire draft, which players would we trade for? Straight up, straight up for that pick. So let's we're kind of throwing away cap space and all that stuff. We you know you make the numbers work, but which players are valuable enough that you would trade that asset the number one pick? So we go back and look at that podcast. I think it was last Thursday. I think we did that. So go check that out. This is a little different. Yeah, this is a little different. So this is like realistic type stuff that, you know, before. Yeah, the other one was not. (laughs) Yeah, 
the other one was like, yeah, they would trade it straight up for Giannis. He was one of them, but the Bucks would never do it. So no. this is like realistic stuff. So I'm looking at I, if you want to, you can go to Tankathon and looking at the. the I'm surprised you go there. <laughs> clever and see the bottom. The I like how they because they keep it updated all the time. Yeah, so it's it's very good. So anyway, I'm looking at some of these teams. What it would what it would take for a team to move up to like one or two. So pretty much if you're Dallas and you land like one or two, what would it take to realistically move back some? So I got a couple hypotheticals, and you tell me, like, and I'll tell you the scenario. So let's say the Mavericks land at one or two. Let's say one to make it even Which more. Which I don't spicy. think is, is very different because you have Luca and you have Aiden. So th- those yeah. are your top two. And so I'm dealing with a lot of these top eight teams right here. Let's say the Mavericks land at one. And let's say the Lakers pick, which will be Phillies if it lands outside of the top five, right? Uh, no. Boston, it's, uh, it's Boston's two, if it's two, two to five. six. Or two to five. Two to five, I think. I think Philly also gets it if it's one, if the Lakers pick yes. goes one. So at, if it go, if that Lakers pick goes after five, like six or down, it's it's Philly's pick. Right. So let's say that pick lands like eight, eight or nine in Philly. So Philly has like the eighth pick in the draft. And let's say Philly really wants Luka to go with Ben Simmons and Embiid moving forward. If you're Dallas... Would you take Marco Fultz and the eighth pick for the number one overall? Okay, so we have this backwards. The Sixers get it if it's. I don't know. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you'd get Marco Fultz and the number one and the number eight pick for Philly to move up to one to take Luca. So you could potentially be walking away with Bamba and with whatever the eighth pick is and the whole Marco Fultz experience. Like that's let's just say Philly's like we're done with it. Let's try to cash in right now and try to move up to one. And they're in love with Luca if they are, to say Luca, Ben Simmons, and Embiid moving forward in the future. Man. Would you do that if you're Dallas? Could the Mavericks fix Fultz? I think their training staff could fix him. Yeah, it's wild, isn't it? Like, that's, that's like I, was rem- I was reminded of this recently. The Casey Smith, the Mavericks trainer, has a gold medal. <laughs> Like he Ooh, was, I didn't even know that. He was working on some of the best athletes in the entire world, like like best wow. NBA players. I don't remember who. It was somebody, I think it was somebody on the Dallas Morning News tweeted that out. Huh. Um, so, yeah. So, right now, like, Tankathon has has their mock draft. They have Wendell Carter there, but they also have Michael Bridges going ninth. So, yeah. you could walk away with, with, Brid, with Michael Bridges and Fultz. Yeah. Instead of getting – Instead of Luca or Aiden. I still, I still might go Aiden or Luca. I know it's it's wild. But I don't, even, I don't know, I don't know where. I, it would have a lot to do with um, Casey Smith's evaluation of Markel Fultz. I think. And if you're Philly, would you do it? Is Luca Ben Simmons and Embiid because they wouldn't do it for Aiden oh, or Oh yes. Like how wild would that be? Yeah, because you're getting you're getting like a sure. That's a sure thing. <laughs> you yeah. know, you're getting a sure thing there. I will say this: I watched Luca. I watched him play Barcelona the other day. Plays for Real Madrid. I DVR'd it. I found I knew it was going to be on. Watched it. It really didn't change my perception of him. So no, I like him. I think he's good. I don't think I'm not saying he's like past three, but I don't understand people who say that they're worried about DeAndre Ayton's defense and not worried about Lucas. So that's what I don't understand. He plays he plays a lot of defense flat footed, and that really worries me. Like I know it sounds really petty, but like there were some dudes just going straight around him, 
and he's very, very smart with the ball, and he's very contained, and he's very cerebral. Like, that part's crazy. But And he runs point all the time when he when he's on the court. Yeah. Like, I never saw him play off the ball one time. He didn't even start, so I don't know what was up with that. But anyway. The, the thing about that, this is a conversation we'll have a thousand times, but a five in the NBA on defense means so much more than, like, a two or a three. Or a one. What 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 gets exposed more though? I think I think we we've, we've had perimeter... this conversation before where the Mavericks have two wings that are that are solid to to above average defensively and they've been terrible. What about James Harden? Well, well, if you have Clint Capella no. behind you, then it covers up a lot more weaknesses than a good defending wing. Yeah. If you have like just, okay, so if you I feel have, like we've said this before, but I think eight. I think. Getting Aiton to a solid defender is will be easier than Luca. Probably, probably, yeah. But the so. the five still means so much more. I'm, I'm trying to think of. No, it's hard. I see to, what you're it's saying. It's hard to think sure, of yeah. teams that have a five that's not good defensively that are good. Yeah, you know, like it's just hard to come by that. I mean, the the Al Jeffersons, Jaleel Okafords of the world are are dying. Oh, Aiton's not that. Stop. No, 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 he's not. But. Those guys that are good offensively that are not as yeah, good defensively I see what you're saying. are completely yeah anyway. So um, all right, give me another trade. All right, let's say the Mavericks land like six to eight. Let's say the Mavericks land at seven. Would you take? And Charlotte is at ten or eleven. They're at ten right now. Well, let's say Charlotte finishes like eleventh. Would you take Malik Monk and eleven for a pick eight? If you're Dallas? No. So you wouldn't take Monk so. to move back three spots? No, because this is I think this is a if seven eight? seven eight player draft. I think you're getting to I think it's like it depends on who's there, but I think it's like a seven person draft. After that it gets intriguing. Like I don't put Wendell Carter in that. I think after that it's everybody next to each other. I think it's the a whole group of like Wendell Carter, Kevin Knox, like Miles Bridges, like all those guys. Both both the bridges. I put Michael in that that top group. Robert Williams. Yeah, so like I think they're all jumped together. Like somebody tweeted me the other day, and it might have been somebody from Moneyball, and was like, "Hey, I wouldn't move back at all because I like all of these guys." And I'm like, "Well, that's the point of that. That's the point of like moving back because if you like all of those guys, then one of them would be there like three or four picks back. You see what I'm saying? And you gain an asset and still get one of those guys. If that makes sense. One of them could be there." Yeah, but like if if you're sitting there in a spot and you say, "Oh, well, I like I like three guys right here," and like you wouldn't move back two spots, like one of those dudes, right? But be. if you're saying I like eight guys, you're at number eight and you move back, then what if all eight of those guys go? <laughs> yeah, that's what I say. I, yeah, yeah, I see, I see, I see that. But I think it's top seven. Then it's, after it's that, math, okay. Isaac. It's math. <laughs> all right, I got. I got. And I don't, one. Man, the monk thing. I was so off about that. I I was leaning towards monk. On I draft night, I, I was like, I was like, man, I, I think they, I, are they going to regret one of the, the the questions I think I asked you on draft night? Are they going to regret passing Malik Monk? And apparently, not at all. <laughs> no, apparently. I also think Charlotte's played him really weird, though. I, I still think he could be a Lou Williams type of guy. All right, is there anyone, any one of these teams in the top six or seven that would, that would move back? Let's just say top six. Is there any of any teams in the top six 
that would move back to one of those spots with Mark Gasol attached. So pretty much saying, if Memphis finishes anywhere in the top six, is there any team that would finish one that would move back three or four spots and they would get Mark Gasol? Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, any of those teams, any of the top six teams. That's Sacramento. We include Orlando. Orlando, no, Sacramento. The Cavs. Yeah. Well, that, I feel like that's a cop-out one. I forget about <laughs> it that It is, one. but right now the Brooklyn Nets – the the Nets pick that the Cavs have is number four. Good lord, that that rose yeah. up that that pick rose up quickly. Yeah, it did. And Brooklyn's not trying to lose on purpose either. No. <laughs> Memphis has lost thirteen straight games. Yeah, they don't. They do not care. Um. Yeah. So they you see, an, what I'm they saying? have an all star, and they've lost thirteen straight games. All right. So. What about this? Wesley Matthews has to pick up his option 24 hours before the draft starts. Let's say he picks it up. It's 18.6. Then he becomes an expiring. Yeah. Then he becomes an expiring contract. Yeah. When does it, how, is there a scenario that would make it worth it to swap Wes and Mark Gasol and the picks? No, because that just, I mean, I don't know if it would be worth it for either team. Because if you're taking on West, then you're trying to be good. And if you're taking on Marcus All, then you're trying to be good. Okay. There's a scenario and like like would you rather walk away with Wes and Bamba or like Luca and Marcus All? Luca and Marcus All. Like a thousand percent. That that's Yeah. Not even a question. So if I'm Memphis. No, no, I'm talking about if you're Dallas. Oh, uh, if I'm Dallas, then yeah, that would be that'd be a pretty good haul. The problem is, Marcus's contract is. It's a iffy. year. It's it's like twenty what twenty three million for two more years, and so it's like you're pretty much saying a year more, a year longer than Wes. I feel like it's longer than that, but I'll check that. Real quick. So like so like let's say Memphis is sitting there. Where would this scenario even make sense at? Like if Dallas is at three and and Memphis is at, let's say Dallas is at two, okay, and Memphis is at like five, and you trade Marcus All in the fifth pick to move up to two for Wesley Matthews and two, and they like to get Aiton for Memphis. So Memphis walks away with Wesley Matthews and Aiton. And Dallas has like Marcus all gets even and, more sad. Yeah, and like and then Dallas gets Marcus all and like whatever. I don't think I, don't I would think, do that. I don't think Dallas. Memphis would do that unless the Marcus all thing was just got even more toxic. So Marcus all oh, I would do that in a heartbeat if I'm Memphis. To walk away to to turn to walk away and turn that in to get DeAndre Ayton and Wesley Matthews to go with Mike Conley, I'd do that in a heartbeat if I'm Memphis. I don't know if I do. I wouldn't do it for Dallas. Uh, Gasol has a player option in two, in the 2019-2020 season. So you were right. It's only two more years. That's actually not a bad contract. I thought it was a lot longer. Conley's is the one that goes through 2021. Yeah. So that that's what I'm saying. Like, so if you're Dallas, would you rather have, in that scenario, you move back to five and you get Mark Gasol and let's say they get like Michael Porter Jr. at five. 
So would you rather have Wes and Aiden or Michael Porter That's Jr. That's such and Marcus a confusing Hall? team. <laughs> yeah, so, so so my question, Aiden and Wesley Matthews or Mark Gasol and Michael Porter Jr.? Man, I think I would just stick <laughs> with Aiden. I think I would too. But it's it's still like at least like wild to think about, you know. Yeah. All right, can I throw another one at you? All right, last one. Throw me throw oh, me like dang. one more. Yeah, throw me one more. Because um, I just yawned and I'm I'm kind of. Let, let me throw you. Okay. Um, what would it take? Okay, let's just say Mavericks land at like two. Okay. What would it take for any of the the bottom three through eight or nine to get to two? If you're Dallas. Like let's say New York finishes at eight, would Frank and eighth be worth moving up? Be worth moving back to eight for? So you go to eight, you get Nilkina, who definitely can and play whoever. with Dennis. Oh yeah, and, and whoever's at eight, you get either Wendell Carter, Bamba, either of the Bridges. Bamba ain't falling to eight. I'm telling you right now, that ain't happening. Probably not. If somebody takes Wendell, weirder Wendell things, Carter, weirder things have happened in the draft, man. If somebody takes Wendell Carter over Bamba, you rem- <laughs> you remember that team? We we were talking to to a player in the locker room about his draft today, and it was it was very funny. Just talking about <laughs> draft night and teams he did not want to go to, and teams he did want to go to, and yeah, it was fun. Oh man! All right, let me because okay, players any- think about that, and play, players know, and then all of a sudden random stuff happens. Teams will, I mean. Atlanta, are we sure that Atlanta's going to make the right choice if they are at like six or seven? <laughs> you know? Yeah. They could be like, would, oh, we like Trey Young or Colin Sexton or, you know, somebody. If Atlanta's at five, would you take, like, is there anything on the roster you would take with the fifth pick for no. to move back a couple spots? Torian Prince? Yeah, like, that would be the only thing I would think about. John Collins. Yeah, John Collins in the fifth pick to move up to two. I, I wouldn't do that if I'm at Atlanta. I just take the player at that point. Yeah, um, this this is the problem with with these scenarios is that these teams they they don't have enough assets to just be moving around like that. They need to be acquiring as much stuff as like as many assets as they can because like a Sacramento they don't I mean they just don't have a, they have interesting players but they don't have enough interesting players to where you say okay one of those is a potential all star for sure you can build around that guy. Same with same with Orlando you're just not sure if you have guys you can build around. Phoenix you have the one guy that you can definitely build around in Booker. But then now they're looking at the next step. Like, all right, what's next for this? And so you just don't have enough. That's why I say two. Yeah, that's why I say I wouldn't. Like, that's why I always say the first or second pick because I think teams probably will view Luka or Aiton as, like, big-time cornerstones. So if they're sitting there like in Atlanta and they're like, crap, we don't even have a cornerstone, to give up a couple of their young pieces to get one cornerstone, I think it would be something they would do. You know, you see, you see what I'm saying? To for a team like Phoenix to give up a couple young pieces to get a Booker, you know, I think that would make sense. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, if they think the difference between those guys is so great, which I yeah, think like Luca or something. Yeah. All right, last one, last mini one. I put this on Twitter and I yeah. said, how far would the would the Mavericks 2018 pick have to drop before you would trade it straight up for Lowry Markkinen? Chicago wouldn't because they love marketing. But how far would the pick have to – kind of what we did with the one the other day. We said no. Probably no at two. You'd take Probably Luke and – seven. Are you serious? That far? You would take you would take all those other dudes ahead of marketing moving forward. I think so. 
you take Bamba, Jaron Jackson, Michael Porter, Bagley, all of them over marketing going forward? I don't know. I know it's hard. I definitely wouldn't in the top two. I think after that, it gets because that man, pick and pop with him and Dennis going forward for the next decade, he's a lot more athletic than we thought. Yeah, the space. Would you say he's deceptively athletic? Stop it. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. It's hard. I feel like I want to start posting this question every opponent we play and like picking up. The problem with player. like Jaron Jackson is he could. He shoots the same percentage hey, that. Stop. No, no. He he's did. not the same stop shooter it. as Mark. Stop. He's not the same shooter, but he shoots pretty well. Like, his shot is, is really good, but he also defends the rim. I could see that. I mean, I, I wouldn't argue with you. Man. I don't think it would be seven. I think it would probably be four or five through me, somewhere through there. I don't even know if Chicago would do that. No, no, no. I don't think they would either. Uh, not talking about Chicago. Whatever about them. But <laughs> we don't care about that what, side. Hey, what's Levine's contract? Is he a restricted free agent this year, this summer? Mm, let me look that up. I, he's some somebody, sort of. He's some sort of free agent. Because somebody texted me and said, if Dallas is at two and Chicago finishes at like eight, yeah. would you take Levine in the eighth pick? He's at the end of his rookie deal, so he's a, he's a restricted free agent or could be. Okay, well, never mind. Well, he's going to hit free agency. But. You think he is? What? I think they're going to give him a contract. Oh, yeah, I think they will. I'm saying he'll he'll hit free agency, so they're not going to like trade him or anything. So, Yeah, that's but an interesting I, case, too, because – I mean, all the restricted free agents are so interesting. We talked forever about the, you know, Gordon, Randall, Parker, but then yeah. also Levine. Throw Levine in there too. <laughs> that's that's just as interesting to me. Yeah. See what he gets. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening to Locked On Mavericks. We really appreciate it. We appreciate all the the love on social media on Twitter. Again, I am at Nick Van Exit. Isaac is at Isaac L Harris. You can read us at Mavs Moneyball and at the Smoking Cuban and Isaac also at Mavs.com. Yeah, go check out our latest pieces. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Peace out. Boom.